2: time
1: for the get ready show i am
2: the best in the world at what i do give me the microphone and go away the best in pro wrestling talk
1: This right here is the future of wrestling, and it begins now. Can you? Did.
0: tuned in to the ken reedy show the best in pro wrestling talk before we go any further um i just want to put it out there that i am battling allergies much like most americans in the northeast right now allergy season is kicking my ass so vocally if i don't sound great i apologize up front yesterday morning i woke up with no voice hoping to get through the 90 minutes of a special russian roulette episode of the ken reedy show But I have a great cast here, so if I can't talk anymore, I'm sure the rest of the fellas here will be able to take over. But thank you all for tuning in on this Sunday evening. Check us out on Facebook, facebook facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. Again, facebook.com slash The Ken Reedy Show. We have lots of conversations over there, post some stuff. Uh, We post information when we get it. Uh, We usually post a show schedule for changing things up over there. So check us out. Like us there. Get on board right now. We got a show chat post up on the Facebook page. So if you have some topics you want talked about tonight, uh, post on the Facebook page. Maybe we'll join in and grab your topic. Again, today's Russian roulette. So all of us on the show we haven't spoke on what the topics are going to be. We're going to bring up a bunch of random topics, and we're just going to talk about them. Check us out on Twitter at the Ken Reidy Show is our Twitter handle. You can check us out over there, and you can check out our website, the Ken Reedy Show. We thank you all who are listening to us live on Sunday night as uh, we go from 6.30 to 8 o'clock this evening. But if you're listening to us pre-recorded, you're listening to us on the brainchild of one Mark Adam Haggerty, B-Plus Players Radio Network. Check us out over there. Listen to us. Listen to us pre-recorded. Listen to us live. Listen to us as much as you can possibly listen to us. And listen to other great shows on the B-Plus Players Radio Network. Lots of great stuff over there. Glad to be part of that group. So without further ado, let's bring the cast on board. First off, in a Russian roulette Sunday. Cannot get through this. Cannot make heads or tails of all the randomness that's going to occur tonight without my tag team partners on the line. Dave, how are you doing this evening?
3: I'm doing great.
0: (laughs) I'm happy to be back. I'm ready
3: to rock and roll. Uh... Ready to talk about whatever comes to our mind, good or bad. It's uh, it's it's one of the uh, the more exciting episodes of our show that I really look forward to doing because flushing the format, I think it's a pretty cool concept.
0: Yeah, I, I dig it too because and, and and people out there might not believe us, but really and truly, like we don't discuss anything we're going to talk about tonight. Um, we all come up with random thoughts and, and we're all crazy in our own right. So who knows what the hell any of us going to want to talk about? And we also have. Independent wrestling sensation Rocky Santiago in the house as well. Rocky, how are you doing this evening?
2: I'm uh, doing good, Ken Dave. As always, a pleasure to be here, and uh, looking forward to spinning the barrel, putting a round in chamber, and just firing away <laughs> and seeing what uh, what hits. <laughs> <laughs> All right, or <laughs> what, what matters, like
0: <laughs> So before you know, interesting. Um, before we get into this, and, and I wanted to mention this, um, you know. And people who know me on Facebook know that, like, I have a, I have, I have a dog, and we have kind of a, a special relationship. And some may say maybe we're just too close. <laughs> we work together. We hang out together. And uh, my, my dog, Monty, is a therapy dog. And I just I have to give a shout-out to uh, soldiers and veterans. And uh, I, I was fortunate enough through this organization, uh, Hudson Valley Paws for a Cause, if you're looking for a great organization to donate to, to get involved with, they're they're uh, tied to the Red Cross, um, but we're just a group of therapy dogs that um, go out and just our job is to make people smile. And last week for Fleet Week, uh, we visited the Intrepid. Uh, we met some soldiers there, which was um, you know pretty eye opening because I mean the soldiers we met, you know once you get in your 40s, you see someone who's 17, 18 years old. I mean the babies. And uh, to know that, um, you know, what they're doing to defend us, to defend our country and the ability to bring a dog in and uh, bring some smiles was really pretty cool. And today we went to what they call a deployment event where there were soldiers there uh, pre and post deployment um, and their families and their children. And when you think about what, again, what these what. (laughs) I, I get a little bit emotional when I talk about it, but what the soldiers do for us and defend us and just be able to do a little bit and, and walk in and walk into a room full of children who uh, perhaps their, their mom or dad just got back, or maybe their mom and dad is about to leave and we could just go in there and give some smiles. Um, it was just pretty cool to be a part of that. And, uh i just wanted to shout out hudson valley Paul's for a cause for uh letting us be a part of that letting us bring smiles um you know i did want to you know we've done it before but rocky you know, thank you for your service and uh for defending this country um you know what we did today uh monty and myself and the other therapy teams is the a small part but it really meant a lot for us to be able to go in and do something like that so uh i just want to give a shout out it was uh Just something pretty profound to be a part of. And it's just cool to feel like you're adding positivity into the world. There's so much negativity. And if you could just take your little sliver of the universe and and throw some positive energy out there, I think more people should uh, be going out there and trying to do that. So um, not to get all heavy and deep and emotional, but I just I, I wanted to kick off the show with that. And I'm going to kind of parlay that into a top of a conversation, a kind of lighthearted conversation as I get a little heavy to kick off the show. But I thought since I wanted to say something about the event and, and how cool it was and, and uh, being able to be a part of something like that, favorite dog characters in the history of wrestling. And I started thinking about it. And I was like, wow, like, you know, when you think about it, I mean, number one, now there's the big dog. There's, there's Roman Reigns, British Bulldogs, Junkyard Dog, Mad Dog, Bashan. I mean, there's so many out there. And I thought, you know, and, and it's interesting because there's no there's no rhyme or reason to what, I mean, a, a Roman Reigns is totally different from a Junkyard Dog. That was totally different from Davey Boy Smith. That was totally different from Mad Dog Vashon. And who could forget Moondog Spot and Moondog Rex. Um, so I thought, let's have a conversation about the dog characters over the years in, in pro wrestling and, and some of our favorites. I, and one thing that really struck me as I was starting to think about this and using this as a topic was the idea that Kayfabe was protected years ago and you were meant to and wanted to believe it was real. And that was how wrestling was portrayed and how it was given to its fan base. And we bought into the Moondogs. Like when you think about the ridiculousness of those characters, when I look back on like the Moon Moondog spot and Moondog Rex. Uh, you know, they could be related to the Wyatts coming down to the ring, like gnawing on their bones. It it brought back, like, memories of just nostalgia, like, oh, no, it's the Moondogs. Like, how ridiculous were those characters? But but they were awesome. And I know that Rocky, like, Rocky probably has more nicknames than just about anybody I know. But one of his nicknames is Mad Dog. So when you talk, when you think about some of dog characters in the, in the world of pro wrestling? Like, what are some that jumped to mind? What are some that you, like, resonated with you, some of your favorites? Just give us your thoughts on some of the dogs in the history of wrestling. Well,
2: some of the, some of the dogs in the history of wrestling, Well, I, you know, the the first one that really jumps into my head has to be JYD, a junkyard dog. And the, re- the reason uh, the JYD always connected with me was, A, that the dude was always ready with a headbutt. And headbutt is obviously one of my favorite moves, Uh, but one of the spots that, you know, back then was funny. Now that I look back on it, you know, I, it's even funnier maybe, but if you remember, if you think back to J.Y.D., especially in his, uh, in his later years, when maybe, you know, the physicality uh, that he had dropped off a bit, but one of the spots that J.Y.D. used to run that I thought, always thought was hilarious was when he was on all fours, he did a charging headbutt to you know whoever was on the canvas, and then he would run up and lift his freaking leg, and the crowd was <laughs> so hard. And you know, obviously mean, he's pantomiming, you know, he's pantomiming a dog. But you know, as a kid, you know, as a kid, we're like, he's peeing on him. Well, where, well, where is this going? You know, but still, it, it obviously got the crowd. The crowd went, the crowd went nuts for it, and he, and he did it, and you know, just hilarious. Uh, aside from JYD you know it, you know British Bulldog again one of my favorites but JYD always sticks out in my head as far as one of the most prominent dog characters uh, on the circuit how about you dave <laughs> um
3: <clears throat> i mean i'm a i'm a big roman reigns guy now um as as i think the both of you are judging by our our you know daily conversations uh your weekly conversations on the show i wouldn't say i've had a favorite i mean one that comes to mind for me um probably would be the British Bulldog or the British Bulldogs. But I think more of the, 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 the most memorable and not so memorable dog moments in wrestling. Um, the earliest memory I have of an animal in wrestling was when the British Bulldogs used to bring Matilda out to the ring and the night that Bobby the Brain Heenan and the Islanders stole Matilda from the Bulldogs and they chased them through the arena, and they disappeared. And for weeks, Bobby Heenan would come on TV and have that dog leash with the invisible dog saying that it was Matilda taunting the British Bulldogs. And I remember as a kid thinking to myself, they stole their dog, Call the police, and nothing happened to them, and they were still wrestling every week. And that's probably like the earliest memory I have of, of, of animals in wrestling Jake the Snake of course Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and his kimono dragon At one point but the British Bulldogs Probably the earliest one for me And then of course there's um, Some not so memorable moments involving dogs Like when uh, The late big boss man Fed Al Snow's dog Pepper To him um, <laughs> Oh my and, god uh, he yes <laughs> Do you remember that he kidnapped the dog And then he fed him to him And then they had the The very forgettable kennel from hell match where it was the old blue steel cage in the ring. And then it was surrounded by the hell in the cell. And they had Rottweilers surrounding the ring so that if big, oh my
2: Man God. Tried to escape. I haven't
0: like thought about that since like it happened. Like now, like I'm I,
2: and I have like, I got to
0: watch it now. I have this like vague recollection of it.
3: Those are the, probably the two memories involving dogs that come to mind for me right now. I'm sure that, some more might pop up, but uh, I didn't really necessarily, I, if you could say a favorite, probably Davy Boy Smith was, you know, in the, and the British Bulldogs were probably my favorite dogs in wrestling, so to speak.
0: Yeah. I, was, I mean, I, you know, I, the British Bulldogs for me were one of my favorite tag teams. I mean, I really enjoyed them as a tag team. And then I, I really liked Davy Boy as a singles competitor as well. Um, I'd probably fall back on JYD as, as my favorite dog character, but, um, Bruce Bulldog is close for me personally. I I just – I dug the character. Um, You know, I thought he was a guy that um, could have been potentially a main event guy, just never really ascended to that level, but, uh, you know, and sadly passed away way too young. Uh, But I I always thought Bulldog kind of – you know, it's tough sometimes uh, separating from a tag team, a highly successful tag team, and getting out there as a singles guy. Uh, and I think he, he did a good job, and he had a, a good, I mean, jack to the gills, uh, but moved pretty well for a big guy, uh, and I thought he could have potentially been a main event, just never quite got there, uh, but so, you know, it's just interesting to me when you think about these characters, how different each one is, you know, with, with the, the dog moniker, and I think guys that, uh, you know, like a British Bulldog or a JYD kind of jump to mind, but, you know, Roman Reigns with I mean, it's it's weird because you don't really look at him as a dog, quote unquote, character. But dog is part of the moniker. Um, At at this point in time, probably the most successful, quote unquote, uh, wrestler ever with the dog moniker. When you think about the main eventing, uh, WrestleMania amount of times he has uh, the championships, the career he's had, and he's far from done. That at this point in time, um, Roman Reigns might be the most successful. Dog, quote unquote, in the history of pro wrestling.
2: That's a very good point. Uh, You know, and he does make uh, uh, alliterations to his yard. Yes. Uh, He's the big dog in his yard. Uh, And as far as dog characters, I I agree with you and Dave. Davy Boy Smith, definitely a big part of that dog history. And honestly, when I look back, Davy Boy Smith, especially his physique, he, he, watching him, was the reason I got into weightlifting. Just, uh, you know, and, and it wasn't, at least as memory serves, it wasn't so prominent when he was in his tag team uh, with Dynamite Kid. Uh, but I feel that, you know, once he branched out of the singles, he got bigger. Yeah. And he, he was just, his physique was just ridiculous. And I remember it was the feud that he had with the, I believe it was the Warlord, uh, who, is, who at the time, I think the Warlord was using the full Nelson. And I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it was a Warlord, uh, and it was like a full Nelson versus you know, who can break out of the full Nelson? And Davy Boy was the one, like you know, it was like, dude, this, I I don't know anyone with a pair of arms right. uh, aside from maybe Hogan, maybe Hogan that could hold Davy Boy in, in such a hold. But uh, you know, definitely for those kind of characters, and you know, not to not to toot the horn uh, uh, of any of our group, but. I was a fan of the American Bulldog, <laughs> uh, Ken Reedy, who actually gave me some of my best matches uh, of my uh, independent wrestling career. Uh, you know, I, I think we the uh, the powers that be didn't give a, a good enough chance to develop the character, but we took the character somewhere else uh, where the, the, the Bulldog thrived. Yeah, you know, you're
0: right. And I, I would have liked to have had more of an opportunity to explore that character, but ironically enough it was just kind of let me just come up with a moniker and who knows if i'll use it going forward or not and i was shocked that nobody had ever used the american bulldog and obviously i was inspired by the british bulldog i mean that was where i was looking at wrestlers that you know i would i was inspired by and wrestlers that you know where could i i mean i love getting in the ring and wherever i can paying homage in some way and a lot of times when i'm in that ring. It's something very simple. It'll be like a look or a gesture or something that, you know, in my mind, and I don't know if anybody picks up on it, but for me, it's like I'm paying respect to someone. And I I try to do that most of the times I'm in the ring. Um, American Bulldog, for me, was an homage to the British Bulldog. Uh, When I looked at guys that I was fans of and guys that I would want to pay respects to, um, and when I started just going through the different names and stuff, and I came upon Davey boy and I'm like, huh, has anyone ever been called the American bulldog? And I looked at, I was looking online, I'm like, I don't see any wrestler who's ever called himself the American bulldog. I'm going to go with that. So, yeah, so that was definitely an homage to the British bulldog. And right now at three, four, seven, eight, three, eight, nine, eight, one, five is we have a Russian roulette, false count anywhere, yada, yada, flush the format, all the monikers. Uh, you want to call us and you have a topic you want to bring up, something random, throw it at us. If you want to talk about a topic we're already speaking on, we can do that, too. But let's go out to the phones. I don't necessarily know this number, but it's Connecticut. Caller, are you there?
1: Kenny Reedy. Mr. What's trivia up? here. Oh, Mr. Trivia, how, how you doing, brother? Good. Mr. Rosenbluth, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you for asking. Um you guys are talking about the the dogs and all this other I remember growing up one of my favorites to watch other than Ox Baker was Mad Dog Vashon. Yes. Yeah. I mean he fails in comparison to the American Bulldog, but uh <laughs> other than that it's uh it's one of the the guys saying, I remember when you, up,
0: when you bring up a guy like Mad Dog Vashon, like what were some of the things that drew you to him as a character?
1: Yeah, I remember him, you know, back in the day, and he was he was one tough SOB. I'll tell you, him and his brother, the Butcher Paul Vachon, I mean, they were just two of the greats back in the day. And uh, the British Bulldog, yeah, I mean, I can go, uh, I can go with that too because, you know, I mean, they're still doing this petition about him being in the Hall of Fame, and, you know, I'm kind of on the fence whether he should be in the Hall of Fame or not. I mean, there's people that are in the Hall of Fame that, you know, I really don't understand why they're there and I mean you know the British Bulldog is you know multiple time champion in the WWE so I mean is Vince just uh you know like the way the Bulldog you know I guess the Bulldog had passed from a heart attack which had to do with uh some uh illegal substances I guess maybe that's going on with Vince but I mean I don't know it's you never know what's going to happen with that but one thing I want to talk to you guys about before I get off the phone is uh this uh this upcoming pay-per-view Um, I don't know, you guys, in my opinion I think it's too early, but do you guys think it's too early For a Ronda Rousey title match?
0: That's a good topic to bring up And again, anything counts today I, I, personally, for me And we'll go around the horn I think it is Um, Now we'll see, and and I'm holding reservations We'll see if they give us a a good storyline Because To me, Ronda Rousey's still an attraction And Number one, if she loses, it's kind of a, really, like, you know, you brought in this, this, uh, you know, the toughest woman on the planet and she loses. Um, If she wins, number one, Nia Jax's title run sucked. And to me, the only place you have to go after you win a title is down. So you have Ronda Rousey, eventually she's got to lose that title. I would rather see a build with the character now, if they do something where Natalia, Mickey James interferes, costs Rousey the match, and then we get a program with one of the veterans that I think would be great for Rousey, then that works for me. But I, I am of the opinion that for me, short term, they may prove me wrong. I think it's kind of early for her to be put into the mix. I think she, can, she still has a lot of value as an attraction.
2: I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Ken, and I'm going to say this, a little bit of a prediction, if you will, because I think you made a great point as far as if they're going to put her in a match with Nia Jax, you know, toying with the title this early, then you know what? You, you make someone cost uh, Ronda the title, and for me, that person is none other, none other than Asuka. And I think if Oscar somehow, you know, it's out of the blue, but if Oscar costs her the title, then I think you have a great you build a great rivalry that does not need a belt, that, you know, Oscar, I've been beating here everyone here for all this time, and this person just comes in, waltzes right in, and already has a title shot. Uh-uh. Not going to happen. So I-, I think there's legs with something like that, because I agree with you that <laughs> – the, the, the belt needs to stay with Nia for a little bit, at least just to make this run legitimate. Uh, I was happy that Nia got the belt, and I think she deserves to run with it at least a little bit longer.
0: And I think she's doing a lot of good. Her, her uh, you know, not being a typical female wrestler, um, her anti-bullying stance. I think, uh, you know, everything she's doing is, is good for the belt. It's good for girls watching pro wrestling. I think there's a lot of good Nia can do with that belt. Um, so yeah, I'd like to see this title road To be a little more substantial What do you think, Dave?
3: Um, I'm kind of on the fence With this subject
0: uh, On
3: one hand The way that they set the match up At the NBC upfronts, Where Nia challenged her And Ronda openly admitted That she hasn't been there that long She doesn't deserve a title opportunity There's plenty of other women That deserve it before her They they kind of covered their bases there so that topics like this, where we're talking about, does she deserve an opportunity at the title that kind of gets thrown out the window. I like how they kind of set it up in that manner. Um, Man's involvement, I think is crucial in this because like you said, Ken, once you win the title, the only way to go is down. And I, and judging by Ronda Rousey's path of her uh, with her past losses in MMA UFC has been able to tell a better story of Ronda's comeback suffering from those losses than of her meteoric rise to the top. And I feel like the only meaningful finish to this match would be either someone on behalf or her, her, her herself, Stephanie McMahon be the reason why Ronda Rousey, Loses the match to Nia Jacks and gets screwed over, and continues the the storyline between Ronda and Steph because the last time Steph and Ronda were in the ring before this before that contract signing a couple of weeks ago, Ronda busted her arm. Stephanie McMahon's character has always been known to get the last laugh, and she was involved in that contract uh, segment for a reason. So I feel like to build Ronda and. To, to really develop her character with the WWE audience is for her to get screwed by Stephanie McMahon or someone representing Stephanie McMahon at Money in the Bank and then build towards the
1: eventual Steph Ronda one-on-one match. That's going to be the bigger attraction. Yeah, I, I kind of definitely, uh, a hundred percent agree with that. Um, now Dave and Ken, I don't know if you guys had, uh, saw the thing that was on one of the websites that, um, June 15th, they're having this um, celebrity uh, (laughs) undercover boss segment that's going to be on TV, and Stephanie McMahon's going to be on it. So that's going to be quite interesting to see. But uh, one of the other things I just wanted to talk about real quick, um, one of the matches I think that is going to be a little too predictable for uh, the upcoming Money in the Bank is Carmella and Asuka. I mean, I think Oscar's going to win the match, but I don't see her winning the title. I think uh, I think it's going to get a little hot and heavy for Carmella in the match, and she's going to end up taking off and getting counted out. You know, just giving you know uh, Oscar the win, but not the title. I I don't really see the one I'd like to see get the title back, but I don't know. It's probably you know her time might have been uh, her time. I don't know if they're going to give her any more title matches with the injury now and stuff. Is Charlotte? But uh, what do you guys think about the uh, Asuka-Carmella match? you think it's going to be as one-sided as – I mean, I I think it's going to be one-sided. I don't know what you guys think. I mean, I I could see that
0: that scenario kind of playing itself out. I mean, I'm I'm torn with how I feel about Carmella because I don't think she's very good, but I think she plays the chicken shit heel well. So I kind of go back and forth on it. Like I watch her in the ring. I'm like, Oh God, like, like, I just think she just looks terrible with a lot of her, her quote unquote wrestling. However, uh, you know, when it comes to pro wrestling, um, I'll be the first one to say, you know, accentuate the positives, minimize the negatives. And I think Carmella does a good job with her character. You know, I got to give her credit for that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't like I I wouldn't expect it to be a really good match, quote unquote. Um, I think we'll see a good story unfold, and yeah, it wouldn't surprise me we have some sort of screwy finish and Carmella walks out with the title, um, but like she doesn't necessarily win the match or she she pulls some sort of shenanigans.
1: Yeah, well, guys, I just want to get going. I want to say, uh, Dave, thank you very much for the birthday wishes. I appreciate it; it meant a lot, and. Uh... I will talk with you guys later on. Once again, great show. Always a pleasure to talk to you.
0: Thanks a lot for giving us a call. Don't be a stranger, man. All right. And there you have it. Good stuff. So we've hit uh, we've hit dog characters. We've hit uh, some ladies wrestling. It's weird, like dogs and <laughs> dogs and ladies. But uh, hey, what do you got for us? Give us one of your topics you wanted to throw out there today.
3: Well before i do i'm just curious are, is there a um, an endorsement for chapstick in line for rocky and uh and uh M- and mr trivia with the uh the the american bulldog comments there i'm just curious <laughs> are, we, are we do we have a sponsor i didn't know about i mean i'm just i i you know well, I, I, I mean, I that guess roulette the show too?
0: is sponsored by the american bulldog so oh
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, just all kidding aside um my topic this week, I wanted, we talk about the, the, the storylines and we dissect them. And I wanted to kind of go with a different approach and a different spin a little bit and talk about the business side. WWE recently made a major announcement regarding their future on TV. NBC Universal decided they're not going to renew the television rights to SmackDown Live, and they allowed the show to be put on the open market. Uh, Fox won that bid. And they'd been one of the major networks interested in acquiring WWE's television rights for some time. The deal was for a record $1 billion over the course of five years. For all you mathematicians out there that live in your parents' basement, that comes out to $250 million a year. The largest TV contract domestically here in the United States. As far as I know, this is probably the biggest deal WWE has ever had with their television deals domestically. NBC Universal uh, reportedly they want to retain the television rights to Monday Night Raw and allegedly according to the Hollywood reporter they're going to do so over the course of the next 10 years at 265 billion dollars which comes out to once again mathematicians in the basement 265 million dollars a year. The current deal WWE has with NBC Universal is for 130 million dollars a year to air both Raw and SmackDown. We live in a world where people view TV differently with most myself included have been cutting the cord with cable switching over to streaming services like Hulu, Sling TV, YouTube TV, just to name a few. The respective television contracts I got a question when it comes to numbers like this. What do these deals entail? For this amount of money, a regular Joe like me, I can't imagine that both Fox and NBC Universal are backing up the Brinks truck just for WWE to, to deliver the same programming as they did before, but this time for way more money. It's a bigger end game here. Now just hold that thought guys, okay? Cuz this is this is important. <laughs> There've been rumors on social media and on the dirt sheets that WWE has been discussing the idea of entertaining offers from television networks to acquire the rights to broadcast WrestleMania on network television in similar fashion that the NFL does with the Super Bowl. Open bidding to NBC, Fox, CBS, ABC All the major networks could be in line To host a Wrestlemania So My questions here are With these two new deals in place Will, will we see Wrestlemania On network television in the next 5 to 10 years Do we see a scenario Where Fox and NBC are they going to alternate Airing the event on the off years That they don't have the Super Bowl? And if those numbers and that business venture is successful Could we see open bidding To like ABC or CBS And another question, I know there's a lot to throw at you here, is the WrestleMania brand, is it strong enough to warrant networks to want to bid on airing the event? Is it strong enough that advertisers want to pay big money for ad time during the broadcast? Could we see WrestleMania with commercials, dollar to air the event commercial-free, while advertisers brand their product in different parts of the show? So you guys can answer some of those questions for me, maybe give your thoughts and ideas on how you could see WrestleMania on network television. And then I'll kind of give you what I, what I think could possibly happen if they were to go down that route.
0: Well, I hope it happens because then maybe they'll cut it down from being like 12 freaking hours. Like
1: if, <laughs> if WrestleMania is
0: on NBC, they're not going to put a broadcast that's, that's eight hours. There's no way a network is going to say, oh, sure, we'll air an eight-hour wrestling show. Um, You know, it's interesting because one of my topics, if we didn't get to it, was this, was the the Fox deal and um, actually all in. Because I, I was looking at, you know, that we might be, you know, a lot of times in the history of pro wrestling, you don't realize that something's a benchmark until after the fact. It's, it's so difficult to recognize when you're, you're at a place in history where things can really change. And with, with Cody Rhodes and, and what we're looking at with All In and with what's happening with, with Fox and NBC and, and the WWE, you know, right now, this, this, this era, this, this time period, we may be looking back, in, you know, 10 years from now saying, wow, the whole wrestling business changed in 2018. Like, that was, that was the moment. I think we will see WrestleMania on network television. I think um, that that networks are starting to, and and I think ESPN has helped with that to kind of validate pro wrestling. Um, You know, it's kind of a weird kind of you know cycle where you feel like with the WWE, you know, the 80s family friendly, and people say PG product. We didn't have the rating, but it was a PG product in the 80s. Um, It got a little too ridiculous early nineties. But then we went into the attitude era where as much as Vince McMahon early on was like, we're going to take wrestling out of the bingo halls and uh, we're going to bring it to the masses and make it a family friendly product. The attitude era kind of, I don't say they put it back in the bingo halls, but it, it made it definitely where, you know, if you were not a guy from like 15 to maybe 29, like the product really wasn't for you. Um, and now it's evolved into a, a family-friendly product. I, I think it's it's something that this is a, a benchmark moment in the history of pro wrestling. Um, apparently, Rupert Murdoch, in the meetings, uh, said to Stephanie and Triple H, uh, we will not be embarrassed by your product. You will be part of our programming. We will advertise. And apparently on uh, Fox Sports, um, there'll be some sort of, like, recap show or something like that. So... Um, apparently they were very taken by the notion that uh, Fox was like, we are going to celebrate what you do. And when you think in terms of like, when you watch USA, um, yeah, I mean, Raw is part of Raw and SmackDown part, but you don't see commercials everywhere. And Raw and SmackDown are probably the highest rated shows on USA and about the highest, one of the highest. And one of the reasons why USA can keep themselves afloat, Um but you don't really get that feeling that the network in and of itself celebrates having wrestling on their, on the, on their network. And you look back to WCW and when WCW went under, like the, the, the guys, the front offices did not celebrate pro wrestling as, as a, an entity. It was like, all right, well, it's, it's it's kind of like pro wrestling was always the whore, you know, it was like, we'll pay her and we'll do what we're going to do. But, uh, Let's keep her separate from our family life and everything. And for Fox to say, like, we're going to celebrate pro wrestling, we're going to celebrate sports entertainment, we're going to celebrate the WWE, um, it's a family-friendly product now. And I do think that it's once it's out there on Fox and if Fox is true to their word and the advertising is there and uh, they celebrate having the product, you know, money's money is money. And and once other networks start to see like, hey, there's 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 cash to be made here. Here's I mean, it's always been fascinating to me that wrestling has been this multi-billion dollar industry that for whatever reason, like the mainstream just continues to steer clear of. There's so much money to be made and they it's oh god, it's pro wrestling. We can't get involved with that. And and now that the, the dam has been broken, so to speak, if Fox is really willing to put it out there. I think we could see easily WrestleMania being on network television. Again, I hope so, because I would love to see it get back to like a four-hour kind of broadcast, um, or maybe they do something where four hours would be on NBC and the the other nine to ten, twelve hours would be on the network, but um, yeah, I, to, to, to long-windedly answer that question, yes, I could see WrestleMania, and obviously you said five to ten years. I wouldn't be surprised if it's sooner than that.
2: Yeah, You know what? <laughs> I I, I I'm going to agree with that assessment. I, I think, I think within five years, uh, you're going to see WrestleMania somewhere on, on, you know, network. Um, because as you said, Ken, when you look at WrestleMania and you look at the, the spectacle, it has grown to be, I think what's telling, especially being that we have gone to the last, to the last couple of WrestleManias and this past WrestleMania in New Orleans, um, Not for nothing. I I know that uh, the WrestleMania that was previously in New Orleans. I don't think you spent as much money uh, that time as you did this, because it seemed to me that uh, somehow New Orleans learned that, you know what? These folks will come out in droves for wrestling, and these folks will spend money to hang around wrestling. So uh, as you said, there's money to be made, and I think people are starting to take notice. You know, be that you know host uh, host states, be that TV networks, and uh, you know those advertising dollars are there. You know, people complain about the length of Ross, three hours, uh, and you know, <laughs> I think what the, your average wrestling fan fails to realize is not it's not three hours for the content. It's not like they want to put out three hours worth of wrestling. It's about the advertising. You know, these people are making money hand over fist. WWE is making money hand over fist, selling, adver- you know, with advertising dollars. So I, I think the potential is there, and you are absolutely going to see WrestleMania uh, somewhere out there uh, in the mainstream within five years. Absolutely. And, and it's amazing that you said that. That's a really good point, because I
0: had I had heard... Someone had said to me that they once they heard that WrestleMania... Was going to be back in New Jersey, that he went to book a hotel room, and they had already jacked up the price for that weekend. It was like the, it oh, literally like yeah. the, the Friday night of WrestleMania weekend, the price per night was like double. So you're right, like wow. other entities are starting to realize there's money, like there's a lot of money to be made, and it's interesting for myself going to Mania the past ten years, and and going to Houston. And feeling like the city really had no clue what what business can be made uh, to what I'm seeing now when I go to WrestleMania, where all the businesses, all the hotels, all the bars, all the restaurants are there is cash to be made when WrestleMania comes into town. And now, and again, I think ESPN, uh, if not a lot, has something to do with bringing it to the mainstream. Um, but I do think that finally, which is amazing, like being a wrestling fan for 30 plus years, that it seems like finally, network television is like, wait a second, like there's like, why are we trying to produce a, uh, a, another show? Like let's 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 repackage Lethal Weapon, you know, and, awesome. si- and see how many people want to buy advertising. And it's like, wait a second, there's this like established multi-billion-dollar industry that's not being broadcast. Like we can just, all, all this is money. All we need to do is pay for it to be on our, our, our broadcast team, our broadcast networks and, and make money. And, and that's where I think Fox is brilliant for doing this. And once, once Fox does it and there's money being made, then other networks will be like, you know, we got to get into the wrestling game. And don't be surprised if other wrestling companies wind up getting a network deal here or there. Um, I think it will open the door for wrestling to really um, come back into that mainstream and be a real mainstream product. So I I think it's an excellent topic, Dave, but we are really on the cusp of something potentially historical in the industry that really could change everything going forward.
3: Yeah. I mean, I was really hoping that Fox was going to acquire both shows and, and, for for a couple of reasons. One to to kind of give wrestling that mainstream feel and give it credibility being on a network like Fox. I pictured it almost like how the NFL does their football games on Fox, you know, and how there's got that 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 credibility and that feeling of you know, importance when you watch those games every Sunday. I felt like Fox could kind of add that element to WWE programming as well. And for <clears throat> the other selfish reason that If Fox were to acquire Monday Night Raw, we would have no more three-hour Monday Night Raws because every every local television newscast begins their their late night news at 10 p.m. and they certainly wouldn't ask all the Fox markets to move their news to 11 or move their news to you know. 10-10 or whatever so that Raw could Overrun and and selfishly as a Fan it would take the three hour Snooze fest that Raw has been in the Last six years and move it to Back to the the quick fast paced two hours that it that it Was that put it on the map Um, Now for Me personally I uh, To answer the question I could see Wrestlemania being Like the Super Bowl on network television Being a big major event during a Time period where there's that kind of lull in television in terms of like big major sporting events. You're about two months removed from the Super Bowl, uh, baseball. You're you're in between baseball season starting, so major networks getting a WrestleMania during that time period. Uh, you know, right around the time of the NCAA tournament, I think like Fox and NBC could benefit majorly from that. Um, now, whether it airs on Fox or NBC, beats me, but one of those networks, and I'll just say NBC for instance. The kickoff show could air for one hour on, simultaneously as a simulcast on NBC and WWE Network. They can advertise a major championship match or a main event caliber match in addition to like two of the lower card bouts that are normally for the kickoff show. gives WWE Network subscribers a big reason to watch the kickoff show and to attract ratings to that network as a lead into Mania. Like you said, Ken, I keep the show at about four hours, okay? Now if it's the Mania main card would air live, commercial free, on NBC only, with advertisers splicing in their product in various ways, like this match is sponsored in part by Mountain Dew or banners of certain products in or around the stadium, or in between matches, plug various products. Advertise with the in ring skirt with with the ring skirting, similar to what boxing does in some ways with advertisements on the canvas. Then the WWE Network will play a big role in this as well. I would use the WWE Network as a modernized version of the 900 number that used to be big in the 90s with both WWF and WCW. Exclusive post-match interviews, reactions, follow-up on post-match angles, social media Q&As with the winners and losers. Keep the network a part of the show. You can even show snippets of clips from a post-match angle in the locker room on a split screen on the broadcast for the viewers at home that are missing what's going down on WWE Network to to drive subscriptions or traffic to the network. Then, use the old Tuesday pay-per-view replay model. You remember that when, if you didn't watch the pay-per-view on Sunday, you got a chance to order it in prime time on Tuesday night. You called your cable subscriber. Use that pay-per-view model by advertising that the WrestleMania replay will be on demand at midnight On WWE Network, after Raw goes off hour in-between Raw and the midnight airing of Mania on WWE Network, WWE can air a live Raw post-show recap on the USA Network while having enough enough time to plug the on-demand debut of WrestleMania on the WWE Network. It allows people who don't have the network and those who missed the live airing of Mania on NBC a chance to order their free 30-day subscription to WrestleMania, to WWE Network, where they can get the on-demand replay of Mania and the next pay-per-view, Backlash, Extreme Rules, whatever the fuck they want to call it, for free to new subscribers. That would be, I'm, not, I'm no expert in marketing or advertising or television planning, but after having a conversation with someone and talking about this and bouncing ideas off each other, I think that's a, a very ideal format for WWE to go down when the time comes that they put WrestleMania on network television.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible when you you start to look at the idea that um, we may be looking at just a real renaissance and resurgence of wrestling in general. And when you look at, um, again, what Cody Rhodes is doing, I mean, a little off off the specific topic, but with All In and, um, you know, he has described it as a, a Woodstock for pro wrestling fans. Um, and this this deal that that Fox has made with the WWE, the potential for WrestleMania to be on network television, um, and and in all honesty, when I think of network television, though, I also think in terms of, you know, maybe we start to get better storylines. You know, maybe you know when when people are booing, you know, when when Fox has SmackDown on on a uh, on their network, and fans are like booing stuff or or not liking storylines and maybe the execs at Fox are like, you know, could you give us something that, you know, I don't need to be, you know, airing something on our network where the fans are chanting, you know, boring or some other crap like that. So, you know, maybe we, we get a better product or maybe just in and of themselves, they think, you know, all right, we're on network television. Now we have to step up our game and we have to make sure we're, we're doing right. And we show, now that we have a broader audience, how good this product could be. So, I, I again, when you look at what's going on now business-wise in, in pro wrestling, I, I think it's, it's win-win for, for the fans. I mean, coming to network television, I'll say this. Like, I'm not going to get any blood anytime soon because they're looking to market a family-friendly product. So, um, you know, the days of bleeding may be officially done. Uh, but, but that being said, I think we'll, we'll get a better product. Uh, wrestling will get more exposure. Um, you know, and I think once it really comes out and and it, it sees the light of day, we'll see more of, you know, I know our friends over at Busted Open on Sirius XM. like now they're on five days a week. Uh, but when they started, uh, the, the powers that be, the big muckety-mucks upstairs didn't want to take pro wrestling seriously. Um, you know, they're on the a sports network, but they didn't want to, you know, they're the sports division, I should say, of Sirius XM. Um, you know, now they're five days a week, you know, finally the big wigs uh, realized, Hey, you know, this is a multi-billion dollar. I don't keep saying it, but it's staggering to me as a wrestling fan, how much wrestling has been swept under the rug, where it's a multi-billion dollar industry. When you go to WrestleMania and you see wrestling and, and the industry of pro wrestling, not just the WWE, but the industry of pro wrestling and the amount of money it generates it it's just crazy to me that it took this long um but now that it's it's going to be on network television um i i'm very intrigued to see where uh, the business goes uh any any last thoughts dave on on closing this topic before we move on to Rockies no i
3: think i mean i i i pretty much covered it and i i i would i would say i'm in agreement with you that i think we're 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 entering a i wouldn't i don't want to say new era cuz that term gets kind of thrown out there but a a in the history of the, of the industry. I mean, this is going to be the largest audience that WWE is going to be airing their programming weekly on Fox. And, uh, you know, as of right now, you know, ink to paper, it hasn't happened yet between WWE and NBC universal regarding raw, but that's the rumored deal that has been made. So who knows, maybe Fox will sweep in and, and, and acquire the rights to Monday night raw as well. Only time will tell, but, um, Intrigue, Yes, definitely, to see what kind of a presentation the programming
0: is going to have on Fox and on network television. And it'd be interesting to see the ripple effect. You know, if, if you have wrestling that's successful on a major network, do other networks try to get into the wrestling game? Do, do other networks, you know, uh, try to... Does ROH get a TV deal somewhere on network television? Do do, do You know, it could be a copycat world, you know, a fox is making money let's try and throw some money at another wrestling product um shows like we're doing right now do major radio stations start to look at hey like you know terrestrial radio uh we need we need a wrestling program on, on our network we need to you know respond to that i know i listen to mad dog radio a lot and uh i listen to morning men in the mornings and they're they're a sports show but they're kind of wrestling friendly um you know do they have to change their show a little bit and and You know mention wrestling a little more do other sports radio shows need to at least acknowledge it as it's it's on ESPN now it's going to be on network television do we see you know certain radio stations kind of jump in and say hey like there's money being generated now if someone wants to advertise on Smackdown on Fox that same entity that same company may very well want to advertise on a radio show that has to do with pro wrestling. So when you look at, like,
2: where this could
0: go and the different, and I'm sure there's things I'm not even thinking of, like how it could just ripple and, and change uh, just the wrestling industry and honestly change TV, um, it, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting, and it, it definitely gives us stuff to talk about. Um, so, Rocky, we've had dogs. We've had the, the business landscape of pro wrestling. Let's give us your topic.
2: Okay, well, you know what? The, uh, Dave's topic kind of really segues – quite well into my topic because we've kind of, we, we're going into a crescendo here uh, and we visited the business, but my topic was really, uh, at least my, my, my first of a couple of topics that I have floating around in my head, was really uh, the present state of pro wrestling and where do you see it going? And I'll preface it with uh, <laughs> as we talked about a little bit earlier, with Fall In. When you have the The effect of all in a a wrestling show that is not WWE that sold over 10,000 seats in under uh, was it half an hour? Or I know it was an hour, I think it was sold in under half an hour. I think I think it was about 30, it was like it may have been like
0: 38 minutes, but something like that,
2: but something you know, something that hasn't been uh heard of in quite some time. And I don't know, I I don't know if either of you heard, but through the through the rumor mill. Uh, the last show that Cody Rhodes was on, he alluded to uh, a, a tape, an all in two, and holding it at MSG and trying to sell out an MSG. You know, MSG uh, last uh, seating capacity numbers I looked at was twenty thousand plus. So he, he he's looking to expand, and I, I think it's an interesting topic to think because when you look at the state of wrestling now, especially with the with the numbers that Dave has brought forth and the numbers you're talking about with the Fox deal and whatnot, uh, if you listen to I, I, full disclosure, I'm a listener to uh, a big listener of Jim Cornette. Uh, and uh, for, for those of you out there in the Reedyverse, uh, after you have finished listening to our show, I say flip over and just give uh, Jim Cornette a listen at Cult of Cornette. But, uh, you know, he discusses the numbers, and if you look at the numbers, uh, especially when you look at uh, wrestling in present day versus wrestling in the past, you still don't have anywhere near the viewership, uh, anywhere near the, uh, uh, the, the live show numbers that you had in the past. But when you consider the viewership that you could potentially get with this Fox deal, uh, when you consider uh, on the WWE side, on the non-WWE side, you have uh, Cody... And it seems Cody's crusade uh, to uh, give give the people something else besides WWE, which you know I think all of us ha- have made the debate uh, of uh, uh, what the potential um, competition can do to wrestling as a whole. Uh, you, you you either you can either be of the attitude of we have all the tools to see wrestling really skyrocket back into levels that it hasn't seen for quite some time, or on the other side of that coin, especially when you have, uh, you know, one thing you hear through, one thing you hear from the, uh, from the older generation of wrestling fans and wrestling personalities is the way you really ruin wrestling is you add suits. So all these executives as you as you spoke about Ken before these executives who will now have a hand they're going to have a hand in that in that bowl in that wrestling stew if you will uh making sure that it's something palatable to their viewership you know do we see wrestling rise or do we see potentially uh, the rest the potential for a lot of calamity uh in the wrestling world so you know, I guess it, it, it comes down to: Do you feel positive about what's going to happen, or do you feel that we could potentially be in a hell of a lot of trouble? I feel positive. I mean, we could be. I mean, any, anything. Whenever there's
0: change, um, there's always that potential for disaster. A lot of plunder, baby, if you will. Um, but I think this is a positive uh, time period for pro wrestling. I'm. I, and I'm not like, you know, I don't really, you know, again, ROH is one of those, like, if I hear, oh, there's a good match on ROH, I'll check it out online. I don't really watch the product religiously. Um, when I heard about All In initially, um, I I was like, yeah, that's cool. Good for him. Uh, there's no part of me that was like, oh, I, I wish I could be there. Now I wish I could be there. Like, they've done a nice job at building it. They've done a nice job at building Uh, the title match for the NWA championship um, that I kind of wish I was going out to Chicago. And that's, you know, that's what you have to do. And I think they've done a really brilliant job and and they've kind of, you know, they've done an effective job at really using the internet and, and social media to uh, build this event up. And I also think now, and the good thing, you know, when you're, I mean, Cody, it's almost like he's competing with himself, and if the rumor mill is true, and he wants to do MSG, uh, you know what do you need for MSG? More people. How do you get more people? All In has to kick ass. So now you have Cody Rhodes. You have a wrestling entity that is not really established, but that that has to to go further. Has to kick ass. So that locker room, whoever's is booked on All In, you know Cody and who and. The young boxer, whoever has that like locker room meeting, is, is looking at you guys. Got to bring it. You got to tell some good stories. You got to give good matches. If you're cutting a promo, you got to get the crowd riled up because we want to do all in two, and we want to do all in two bigger and better than the first one. Uh, which again, when you know we've always said competition. Who wins in competition? The fans. Um, and I don't think we can look at and be naive and think that all in or what Cody's doing will ever compete with the WWE in the truest sense of competing, but I think he's competing with himself and he's looking to be bigger and better. Like I said, this fan right here that's talking right now wishes he was going out to Chicago. And I didn't think I would feel that way. I, I, to me, it was like, and I definitely want to want to watch it. You know, I'm, I'm pretty excited uh, that they, you know, they're having podcasts are there, different guests beforehand. I mean, it's like a mini WrestleMania weekend. Um, so again, I, we'll see what happens. Uh, there's always that potential of, things going awry i i'd like to stay on the positive side of things and think that uh the fans ultimately are going to benefit from everything that's going on but i i do think that we're looking at um and and we may be looking we're talking five ten we may be looking two years a year from now thinking wow like the wrestling business is is a lot different than it was a couple of years ago uh but i'm i'm excited and i think what cody rhodes is doing is is brilliant. Um, and when you look at a guy who is, and I loved him in the WWE and I know like, you know, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't happy with Stardust. I think he, he was amazing. I mean, I thought he, he did a great job with Stardust. Um, I loved all his characters in the WWE, but in all honesty, like he was a guy in the WWE that I looked at as, I like him a lot. I'm a big fan of his really good mid card guy. Not really sure if I see him as a main eventer, but you know, really good like good promos. Not great, but really good promos. I thought he did a great job with Stardust. Um, And since he's gotten out of the shackles, quote unquote, of the WWE creative, I mean, not to use the pun, but I'm all in with Cody Rhodes. I dig the character. I dig the blonde. um, I dig the the man behind the character. Uh, You know, everything Cody's doing. I'm a fan of right now and, and it's it's pretty impressive because I, I don't watch a lot of other and like i watch raw, i watch SmackDown. I don't really watch a lot of other, like I'll pick and choose. I'll watch matches here and there. And, oh, this promo was great. All right, let me find it on YouTube. Um, but right now online, like anything Cody Rhodes is doing, I want to watch. Uh, they did this great, like it was a, they called it a promo, but this, uh, promo, I guess of, uh, uh, Cody and and going after the NWA championship. And, uh, and I was like, that's, that wasn't a promo. That was a short film. That was, that was, that was done so well that it it was more of a short film than looking at it as a, as a promo to, you know, you say it's a promo to hype all in like that, that cheapens what they did. They, they gave us a nice mini, mini, mini documentary. And, And I, and I thought it was, um, really well done and, and and for the first time in forever and we've talked about it on the show like can there be a resurgence with the nwa championship we've had gahagas on the show we've had rob conway on the show both will held the nwa championship and we were optimistic about could that championship be elevated again and only to kind of not be and to kind of be disappointed and, and go back a little bit with adam pierce and You know, there's been times where, like, the NWA title looked like maybe it could be elevated, not to yesteryear, but at least relevant in the world of pro wrestling. I, as a fan, I'm really optimistic that this title, the NWA title, is going to mean something in the world of pro wrestling, that we're going to be about. Now, whether Cody gets the title or not, with all in in place, the NWA title matters, and, and hopefully it will continue to elevate Your thoughts on this, Dave?
3: I see nothing but a positive just based on the fact that they sold out in under 30, like you said, 38 minutes or whatever. Um, And I'm sure that you two don't need any reminders, but our listeners out there, you got to remember who Cody Rhodes is. The son of the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, the late great American dream, Dusty Rhodes. A man who was an innovator both in the ring and behind the scenes. He's no different than his father in many ways. He's doing something. He's doing things. In different ways, but in similar ways of what his father did and the impact his father made on the industry. His father was the head booker and you know he, he, head coach and player of Jim Crockett Promotions and the National Wrestling Alliance, who were the biggest, I wouldn't say threat, but the biggest competition to Vince McMahon and the WWF in the late eight, in the mid to late eighties. And Dusty, with his with his brand of storytelling wrote some of the the most captivating stories and created some of the biggest moments in wrestling outside of the land of Titan, known as the WWF. And Cody is doing that now, in my opinion, by creating this all-in with the Young Bucks, of course, because they had a big hand in it. I mean, there's no coincidence that he's going to main event He's going to create his own event, similar to what Dusty did. Dusty created StarCrate. He created the Great American Bash. Dusty was a big innovator. He's no different than his old man, creating All-In and competing for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. He's trying to bring that title back to prominence. I think that title, within the last several months since Nick Aldis, the the former Magnus in TNA, that title has been elevated more in the last several months since he won that championship at an indie show in philadelphia than it has been in 25 30 years in my opinion and to go up in the main event against cody at this at this groundbreaking show for the resurgence of the nwa brand the nwa world heavyweight championship and for just the business in general you see nowadays guys are moving from different organizations working there you know they're the true definition of independent contractors for the longest time guys would be exclusive to one show or one brand or one organization cody works new japan he works ring of honor he's going to run this all-in show nick aldis just uh worked a show um for ring of honor as the nwa world heavyweight champion uh i mean it's the, the 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 market in wrestling is so wide open that i feel like It, it, something catastrophic would have to happen within the next year or so for, as you said, Rocky, the suits or the, the the big wigs to get involved, to get their hands on it and, you know, bastardize the, the, the industry known as wrestling. So I see nothing but a positive based on what Cody and the bucks are doing. And I think Cody is going to be, uh, uh, He's doing something that his father did, but doing it in a different way. He wants to make a mark and be an innovator and a groundbreaker in the business by, by, promote promoting his own show and just get, giving guys the option outside of the WWE to build a name for yourself. And Cody has said in plenty of interviews, I don't have to go back to the WWE because of the the life he has built outside of it, working his own schedule, making money on his terms, and not being held under a contract. Would he like to go back? He has said that someday maybe that's possible. But right now, he doesn't see that happening with the success that he's had in the industry. And you're seeing more guys take over that model that have left WWE or have been released from WWE and are trying to make a name for themselves and brand themselves. Drew McIntyre did the same thing, and look what happened. Two years later, he's back in WWE, back in a brighter stage. So there's nothing but positive as far as the landscape of the business goes. And, Ken, like you said, maybe two years, maybe a year from now, we're going to be talking, holy crap, that's a different wrestling business than than what we're currently seeing today, and that's going to be a good thing.
0: And honestly, I give Matt Hardy a lot of credit for uh, the business model of well, if you have a name for yourself, like he got out and, and and did the Indies and get back back into TNA, then get got back to the WWE. But he was a guy that kind of, to me at least, established that business model of you can go out on the Indies and kind of make your own schedule and and you you set your price and you can make a living as a pro wrestler. Like you don't necessarily need the WWE. Um, you have to be more on top of things, you know, you sign with the WWE, you have a contract and everything's taken care of. Like you have to have confidence in yourself and book yourself. Um, but I give Matt Hardy a lot of credit for, uh, establishing that business model. And, and like a lot, it's really is, it's a modern day territory system. I mean, that's what we have now. Um, if you look back on the territories back in the day, that's what we have right now with the independents. Um, you know, the only negative I see coming out of this is more and more, and in Rocket, we've been around it. Dave, you've been around it, too. Um, the more independent promotions that will pop up that really have no business popping up. And, you know, we've been part of uh, independent promotions that, you know, there's, there's five people in the crowd. We've seen footage of that. I, I felt so bad. But, you know, WWE Hall of Famer Nikolai Volkov wrestling at an event without a ring. Um, you know, that's the thing where as the business continues to blow up, um, I think you're going to have more and more guys thinking, Oh, I want to be a promoter too. And you'll have, uh, I think you'll have a lot more good independent promotions popping up, but you'll also have, uh, and, and the good ones will get more fans driven to it because of the, the extra publicity that the industry of pro wrestling is getting, but you will have more bad, uh, independent promotions popping up as well. Um, that to me is the only negative I, I see potentially as, as wrestling continues to blow up. But I mean, I love everything that's going on with all in, um, in that promo. I love the fact that Cody said, I'm not doing this for my dad. It's like, everyone says that, you know, he wants an NWA title for his father. He's like, everything I do is an homage to my dad. I want that belt for me. I want that belt. And, and I thought it was just so cool how, he just said it point blank. And he's like, you know what? And if Dusty was here, he would say the same thing. Like, yeah, it should be about you. Um, and, and Nick Aldis was great with, you know, you, you, you want to be all in You're booking the match. Like I'm the champion, you know, really? Like you're, you're saying you're going for the NWA championship. Like you, you can't go for this title unless I say so. Uh, and I just saw like, it was just, again, like a, a, almost like a short film. And I just, I, you know, it's got me as, as a wrestling fan, not only excited just to see it, but there's a story being told. There's, there's the story outside the ring of can this, this event, can, can Cody Rhodes create something that gets wrestling fans excited and can build like a weekend event that's not a WWE event? Can the NWA title be elevated one more time? Do we get great storytelling within the ring? You know, I love the Cody Rhodes character where it is. I, I like what Nick Alvis is doing with that NWA championship. Um, there's so much to get excited for, and and you know that behind the scenes they might not say it out in front, but they're looking to put a put a show on that anyone who's tired with the level of creativity in the WWE that they're gonna love All In, and and that's what they they want to put a product together where you're gonna sit there being like, yeah, that's what the WWE
2: is missing, and as a
0: wrestling fan, it's got me excited.
2: No, I, I fully admit I'm excited too, but I would think the term that I would use for me personally would be cautious optimism because as you said, Ken and Dave, I am absolutely on board with everything Cody Rhodes is doing. I really hope for the best. I hope all in knocks it out of the park. And if he does all into an in MSG, you know, folks, I, I think that demands a, a Ken Reedy show road trip uh, to, to MSG to see get all in too. You know, that being said, I, I'm also reminded, however, of how cutthroat uh, the wrestling business can be, especially when you have uh, the the name that's in the mix of Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And we all know, uh, you know, in, in history, how he cut out WCW and, and kept their pay-per-views off while promoting WrestleMania. And when you think about it, he, when you think of the demise of WCW, one of the precursors was there was so much money float, you know, floating around, and you know, wrestlers getting complacent with making guaranteed money, you know, and, and having those contracts, and that's what makes this deal with Fox bring that to mind, and and all the numbers that Dave brought up, you know, when you have that much money floating around, do you have the wrestlers? of the WWE resting on their laurels, producing uh, you know, for, for lack of, uh, of any colorful term, mediocre content, just to say, look, I'm getting a paycheck and I'm getting a steady paycheck. Uh, I would say the only thing that would probably put a kibosh on that is the personality of one Vincent Kennedy McMahon that, you know, WCW didn't really have that counterpart personality. And, You
1: know,
2: there's a lot of factors there that you can see, uh, but the potential for catastrophe. But like you guys, I would like to remain optimistic, cautious optimism, because as we've all discussed, uh, competition can only benefit the fans. It can only benefit us in seeing the product get elevated. And I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping with all I have that, you know, Obviously, at this point, Cody and his, you know, his budding, uh, uh, his budding show isn't a threat to WWE. But if he does get to that point, if he starts to climb that ladder, especially, let's just go out on a limb and say he sells out MSG if he's going to do MSG, and he starts climbing that ladder, you know, eventually he's going to draw the attention uh, of Mr. McMahon uh-huh. and. Does Mr. McMahon go to his old cutthroat ways? Does he try to cut out his legs from under him and you try to buy it all out? Uh, You know, it's going to be these next couple of years in the wrestling business I think are going to be very interesting to witness.
0: And and what's interesting with that is number one, do you have I mean, here's the thing. When you look at WCW and WWE and the Monday Night Wars the guy in charge of WCW and Ted Turner was not a wrestling guy. The guy in charge of All In is a wrestling guy. True. Um, So and, again, I'm not saying all-in can be a competition for, for the WWE, but, you know, it, it's, it's a good point. It's a good uh, talking point that, number one, like the, the, the dollars that are being thrown around with these deals, billions with a B that they're throwing around with wrestling, um, you know, Vince, Vince has s- some change to throw around. You know, does all-in start to elevate? They sell the Garden, and Vince gives Cody a call, and they're like, I want to buy everything. We're not for sale. Hundred million dollars, we're not for sale. Two hundred million dollars, we're not for sale. Two fifty, you got my attention. <laughs> you know, <laughs> two seventy five. Oh okay, you know what I mean? I mean it's like, you know, money talks and I it sure it's, you know, I I buy like Cody and, and want to do his own thing, but depending on what you know, what the powers that be look at something being worth, I could see Vince saying, you know, we, we'll make this a WWE property. Um, but then go the other way and kind of what we're talking about if WWE is successful on network television and Cody still wants to say independent from the WWE, you know, does a network jump in that kind of lost out in the WWE sweepstakes. And as wrestling is kind of blowing up and sees this product, that's not WWE that sells out the garden. I mean, the garden, I mean, essentially like put this in perspective that if, you know, 10,000 seats in 30 minutes, let's just be optimistic. And say they sell out the garden, okay? That they, they go in that direction. Independent promotion sold out Master Square Garden? I mean, let that sink in the potential of an independent wrestling promotion sells out Master Square Garden. Now, I don't know about you, but if wrestling is blowing up and it's doing well on network television, and you're in an, on a network and you're thinking, you know, maybe we should get into this wrestling game, I, I'm not looking at ROH. I'm not looking at TNA. I'm looking at the guy that somehow was able to sell 10,000 seats in under or around a half hour and was able to sell out the garden. That's the guy like, hey, you know, this product hasn't been on TV as an all-in entity. Maybe we bring the NWA championship. Maybe we build a TV show around this where there's a new and exciting product, not an established one that goes to network television. Again, we're spitballing here, but that's why I think that when it comes to even doing our show, I think there's going to be so many different business angles for us to discuss uh, so many things we can speculate on. And even for us, this show, I see us talking more about a lot of behind the scenes stuff because the behind the scenes stuff is so intriguing right now. Um, but to me, it's interesting and it's funny because that was one of my topic and it's cool. that, Like, you know, Dave and Rock, like you kind of like brought it together, but like my topic was how is this, this time period going to change the world of pro wrestling. And like I said, I don't think, you know, when when Vince McMahon said we're going to go national, you know, maybe we didn't know really how much that was going to change the business. Um, You know, go back, Eric Bischoff, uh, Hogan turning NWO, uh, you know, that benchmark to me, you know, that programming spawned the attitude error changed the wrestling landscape for, for a chunk of time, you know, for those years. Uh, But I don't think you could have looked at the Hogan heel turn and think, oh, yeah, like history is being made, you know, the wrestling business is going to change. Um, I I think that we're in a fortunate position right now where looking at all in, looking at the TV deals, that you could recognize that the the writing's on the wall for the business to be changed, that we are are standing um, at a historical moment, which is is pretty cool to just be able to recognize that – the industry as we know it is changing and we can recognize it uh, when it's changing. But, you know, Dave, we, we bring up all in and all the positives. I mean, there's so much positive surrounding it. I mean, is I mean, we, we've hit a lot of it. Is there anything else you see as far as, I mean, now we're just spit, spitballing and speculating, but anything else you could see coming out of all in and do you think it has the potential to sell out MSG? Um, I wouldn't go
3: that far just yet because, I mean, they could be trolling, you know, Cody could have been trolling the fans in the audience the other night when he, when he, he made that statement. Um, A couple things to, to, to keep in mind. uh, The WWE doesn't run Madison Square Garden very often anymore. Uh, They, they run house shows there. The last time they did a major event was Survivor Series 2011. Um, uh, What's the guy's name that owns it? Dolan, right? That owns the Knicks. Yes. He also owns the building too, if I'm not mistaken, or his company does. They own, they own, they own Madison square garden. And one of the main reasons why WWE doesn't produce a television event at Madison square garden is because the, the, the rental fees of the building are like astronomical now for, 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 for Vince McMahon and WWE to television event. However, if there's, if there's rumblings and an idea thrown out there or rumors within the industry that, you know, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks are, you know, discussing or looking into trying to run the garden. It wouldn't shock me if Vince said, you know what, let me bite, the, you know, put, you know, bend me over in the barrel, I'll bite the bullet and we'll do a major show at the garden. Even though they have a, they've been building a relationship with the Barclays Center in Brooklyn in the last several years. So um, I wouldn't go that far as to say, can they sell out Madison Square Garden? Uh, We still don't even know if all in is going to be broadcasted on any kind of major streaming service. Is it going to be available on pay-per-view? Is it going to be available on television? So we still don't even know those details yet. Uh, For me personally. Yes. When they threw that idea out there about all in going into the garden um, or all in two, I should say going to Madison square garden. Yes. It's a very intriguing idea. And I think it would be cool as hell if they sold out the, if they sold out Madison square garden, and big things would happen, not just for Cody and the Bucks, but would happen for the entire industry as a whole. That a small entity like them sold out Madison Square Garden. But I'm not going to put the you know put the cart before the horse here when it comes to when it comes to that. And I'm, I'm going to at least evaluate all in one does first. But there's definitely some very you know positives, a, a lot of positives to come from all-in-one and if they go to the garden for an all-in-two so i think just as a whole in general the industry in and of itself is definitely gonna if that were to happen would be in a in a huge boom period
1: the voice of reason Good <laughs> stuff. Well, like, a great topic you know <laughs> i, I kind of want to
0: hit on something um, it was a topic that i kind of had in the back of my head that uh you know if we we had a little bit extra time and I'm curious because all of us here are kind of old school fans and um, I I find it intriguing, you know, that when, when you come up with your lists, you know, everyone has their lists of all time, greats, all time, great worker, all time, great talker. Like it's, it's difficult for me once I have my list for people to crack in, you know, newer talent to, to kind of crack into the top five, top 10, whatever. And and I'm curious your thoughts because I've always kind of had, uh, in my head, you know, that uh, the best talkers ever. And Dusty's on there. So, I mean, you know, say what you will. I put Piper, number one, but whatever. Like, I've always thought, like, Piper, The Rock, Dusty, uh, Flair, right up there. Um, you know, then I get into guys like, like I mean, Jake the Snake Roberts, Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, you know, I can go on and on. But I find it intriguing for myself, even, because when you come up with a list, and this is what kills me when, you know, this, if you're listening to the show and you, you respond to stuff on Facebook, this kills me. When you put something like, who do you think the best talker of all time is? And then people comment, well, you have to consider this guy. This guy. I know everyone you have to consider. <laughs> I want to know who you think is number one. That's why the question is tough. When I say who's on your Mount Rushmore and someone gives me, well, these are 10 guys that could be on there. I get that. The point <laughs> of the question is, it's four. That's what kind of makes it tough to just put four on there. Um, so when I look at guys like, I mean, I go through my list, and if I really sat here and made it up, like, I don't know if a guy like CM Punk like, crack. he doesn't crack my top five. I don't know if he cracks my top ten. Newer fans Fuck put CM him at, at number one. Um, there's a guy like The Fuck Miz him. who, you know, the past couple of years, I love what he's doing. and And he's probably been One of the best talkers in the company, Uh, Bray Wyatt, has been a really solid talker for uh, the bulk of his career. Um, But they still like for me as a fan, I have trouble like having them crack my top five. Um, Is that just me being old? And like, should I give these guys more consideration? Or you know, did we just happen to live in the era of the better talkers and? It just so happens that other guys, and even the guys that are decent now, look very good because they're in an era of guys who really aren't that great at talking. Like I, and i I always looked at CM Punk as a guy who was a very good talker in an era where people weren't cutting great promos. So I always looked at, yeah, the pipe bomb was great because no one was cutting good promos. You know, back when I was growing up, Piper cut a world class promo every time Piper's Pit was on. You know, like every time, every time you handed the mic to Dusty Rhodes, you got a classic. It's hard for me even to look at The Rock and pick like, you know, Dusty has hard times. I have a hard time picking like the promo for The Rock because every time he had the microphone, he was entertaining. You watch the Attitude Era and even guys like Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, Edge, like guys that I look at that are like really good talkers. I just have a hard time having anyone crack into, like, my top five, top ten. And I'm just curious, you guys, is it just us as wrestling fans being old? Or were these guys the all-time greats? And, and honestly, they were the all-time greats, and the newer guys just don't cut it.
2: Well, I, I think there's an important distinction that needs to be made when you're talking a, a conversation like this. Because there, there's one big divider between the, the talkers of yesteryear Versus the talkers of present day, and that boils down to one word, and that's kayfabe. Back in the day, when you had your great talkers, one of the reasons why they were great talkers is because you believed in what they said, and you believed that this person does not like this person for whatever reason he is saying right now. And when it comes to, you know, insert time frame here, next week, next event, next pay per view there is going to be a war in that ring because they don't like anyone. When you look at present day, you know, and the curtain has been pulled back some, you know, and and maybe this this could be us being a a smartened up. This could be us being a little bit older, but a, at least to me, it almost seems a little formulaic uh, because we all know, you know, put the event over, put the time, put the place, and all that jazz and aside from that you know that they're you know like we said it's a promo you are promoting the event uh not to say that like we said there are some great great present day talkers you know for for me as far as pres- as far as someone who kind of spans between old school a little bit old school a little bit new school for me Chris Jericho uh is high up on that list but, you know, the fact of the matter is, back in the day when these people talked, not only did they have to talk, but they had to retain that belief that I don't like that guy. And if I see him on the street, I am going to freaking punch him in the face. Versus now when you have Instagram and you see, oh, these guys who, have, who are out sightseeing together and have their arm over each other, oh, they're going to have a match. And I'm supposed to believe that he doesn't like that guy because he just insulted him on you know national TV. But really, they're going to go sightseeing. So I think that makes it really hard to say, are we being old? It's just, it's a different wrestling landscape.
0: What
3: about you, Dave? I think, the, I, I mean, Rock makes a great point. Kayfabe believability. It's definitely a different wrestling landscape. But I mean, count more guys from a pre, from, from, you know, yesteryear as an old curmudgeon. Uh, then I, you know, that, that are great promos and, and can talk people into the seats than I can today. Everyone's in today's era. And it's, it's no, I I wouldn't say it's no fault of the talent's own because a lot of the talent is, has, has things written for them as, you know, what they're supposed to say by the, by the creative team in WWE. But, you know, you didn't have that back then. You had guys thinking for themselves and, and, and establishing their character by the way they talk on their own and, You know, they were, you know, the whole famous line, they were given bullet points. Now it's word for word. Um, I think the previous era was much better in cutting promos and being good talkers than the last 15 years of of, of, of talents. I truly believe that in my heart of hearts. Um, You know, I was one of those, Ken, on the Facebook, when when you brought up those greatest of all the list, I was one of those. I was so torn with a few guys, like, you know, greatest talker, you put Piper. I, I, I couldn't argue that, but at the same time, I'm such a huge mark for Bobby the Brain Heenan. I thought Bobby the Brain Heenan was the greatest talker of all time, you know? Like, he was one of those that just, like, he made you love him, but he also made you it, hate him at the same time. So, I, I truly believe, like, Rock, you do make some great points, and, and I, I I can't argue with you on on, on them, but I just think there were a lot of be- lot better there's more names out there from the past that could cut a better promo than
0: there are in today's era, yeah I think rocky you really i mean yeah, I think that the point is like you really did, i mean you believe that um you know when Piper was cutting a promo that that he was a dick, you know that was and um you know when when Hogan was cutting a promo like watch as ridiculous as it was, it was like. Oh, Hogan's gonna kill. He's gonna kill somebody. <laughs> you know Bundy. You shouldn't have blindsided him. You know, um, and so so there's that palpable hatred. You know, I always go back to Piper and Snooka where, you know, like it's like Snooka, like and you believe it. Snooker wanted to kill him. Whereas you know pulling back that uh, that curtain, it's it's like oh yeah he's playing a part. He's he's playing a character, and and that's really the the major difference. Uh, in the business. I think bringing up Chris Jericho was a great point, but again, he's a guy that broke in a, a few decades ago, you know, yeah. so it's uh, I don't think we're breeding the best talkers and like I said, CM Punk like gets thrown around as one the, and I I think he's a good uh, good to above DM average punker Punk. <laughs> Fuck Punk <laughs> and, and
1: also in like,
0: all honesty, I found was a fun promo. I think it's incredibly overrated because I mean, let any of us, any of us, go out there and piss and moan about what you hate about your job. Go. I mean, (laughs) like, again, not having, you know, they blurred the lines. It wasn't a KJ storyline. You just got to piss and moan. Like, tell me, like, hard times is a promo. The pipe bomb was, all right, you're going to give me uh, free reign to piss and moan about what I hate about the WWE. Well, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. I'd like to thank Mr. Trivia for giving us a call. love doing the shows because we never know what we're going to talk about. And I think uh, from your favorite dog characters, best talkers, to the economic landscape in the world of pro wrestling, we're all over the place, and that's why we do the shows. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, don't know exactly what we're doing, Father's Day weekend. It's a Money in the Bank weekend, so we'll let you know what the scheduling is. Summer scheduling is just terrible. But thank you all for tuning in tonight. Have a great rest of your Sunday for Rocky and Dave. I'm Ken. Good night, everybody.
1: With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.